Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. We do not understand electricity, do we? As to how it works, all I know is that I go to the wall, I turn the switch on, and it works. But I depend on it. I trust in it. Probably the majority of us, even men, we don't know how our car works, yet we not only believe in it, but we put a dependency on it. How much more should we believe in God, though we cannot see Him, nor always able to understand Him or His ways? Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Well, Pastor Xavier, tell us more about what you have in store for our listeners today. Well, Aaron, we hope that in the programs to come, that people will tune in because we're going to be dealing with many of the questions that are addressed regarding the Scriptures and our belief in something that we can't always understand. We're going to show the probability, chance probability of, of the scriptures being what they are, the perfection of them to the T in prophecy, uh, manuscript evidence, and questions such as, you know, I can't believe in something I can't understand, or I can't believe in something I can't see, or I can't believe in a God who would send somebody to hell. And those are legitimate questions, and there's legitimate answers for them in the scriptures. And we want to just kind of whet people's appetite so that they may see that many of their objections are really no objections at all. And so we trust they will tune in, and we're looking forward to just um, a great time together as we see how practical the scriptures are, as well as the invitation of God for salvation. And by the way, make sure you write us. You know, let us know. We've uh, heard from some of you, but there's others of you that tune in and you haven't let us know that you're listening. Please let us know. You know, we want to hear from you. You may have some question, or maybe uh, just letting us know. So we're good stewards of the time and the money that God has given to us. We want to make sure that we're not just on the air, blowing our own whistle, but that God is meeting your needs. So Aaron, let's get on with the studies, the answers that the Bible gives to each one of us for the doubts that we have. Yes, we do hope to hear from many of you. Now you can send a quick email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simple truths at ccpas.com. Or if you wish, address your letter to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And I'll repeat those for you again at the close of the broadcast. But for now, let's get right into our study he's called Excuses for Not Coming to Christ. Have you ever asked a person about their belief in Jesus and then even had the opportunity to ask them to receive him, to accept him? only to receive some excuse that is mere smokescreen. It's very obvious that they're rejecting Jesus Christ. Now, I need to understand when that happens that they're rejecting Christ, not me. Otherwise, I get mad. I get angry. I start bad-mouthing. So I have to realize that God has given them a choice and God honors their choice. And if they reject, for whatever reason, I need to just continue to pray for them and leave it in God's hands because I am not the Messiah and I don't save anybody and I can't convince anybody into the kingdom of God. But I cannot be fooled by the smoke screen. I need to understand that. One day Jesus told a parable of a certain man who uh, gave a great supper. 
and invited many. And his servants went out, and they made the invitations and announced them. And one by one, they began to give excuses, supposed reasons why they couldn't come. Uh, but if you examine those excuses there in Luke 14, you will realize that they were mere pretentious excuses, not legitimate reasons. And the bottom line, when people give their reasons, they are mere excuses that have no logical reason. Let me just give you the three that we find there in Luke 14. And one says the first said that he had bought some land and had to go see it. Yet who would buy land that first was not seen if it's worth the price? No one would. The second said he had bought five yoke of oxen and was going to test them. But who again would buy anything without examining it first? The third, as I thought about it, I've never heard a real good explanation why his excuse was not good. But he had just gotten married. He had just taken a wife. And he could not come. And the more I thought about it last night, I said, well, that is a lame excuse also. Because all of us know that newlyweds can't turn down free meals. Um... <laughs> So, mere excuses. Mere excuses. Now, the indication of the parable is that the Jews had rejected and dishonored God through their flimsy excuses of refusing to accept Jesus as the way to God. That's the message of the parable. People's excuses today are no different when they refuse to accept Jesus Christ. And you've heard many in your lifetime. I have also. So what I want to do is touch on some of the most common, and um, we'll look at their validity and really how to handle them. The first one that people say is, I can't believe in something I cannot see or understand. Now, this excuse is contrary to most of what we accept on a daily basis, if you really examine it. First of all, we do not see air, but we breathe it. Now, some may say, but I can see the effects of air. That's why I believe in it. Oh, well, uh, do you not see the effects of God's spirit in people's lives as they are changed? The drug addict says, I, I used to be a heroin addict, but now I'm free. And yet he's been in every form of institution that this world can offer, and he's always gone back to the drug but now he's in Christ and, 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 and you can't accept it. We cannot see thoughts, can we? Concepts, ideas. Yet they are the very foundation of all that takes a physical form in this world. Have you ever seen a thought? What does it look like? How about a concept? How about an idea? Does that mean we don't believe in them? Of course not. Now, the brain is a marvelous part of our body. It is the physical aspect, the brain. But the mind is not physical. It's invisible. You can't see your mind. Your brain, you can. We go down the morgue and we go to a medical laboratory. They'll show you a brain. But ask them to show you a mind. You see, the most important things are the invisible. We do not understand electricity, do we? 
as to how it works, yet we not only believe in it, but we put a dependency on it. I do not understand how the electricity works through the wire. I don't know if it goes around the wire or if it goes through the wire to the bulb. I don't know if it goes through, it bounces back and comes in. I have no idea. But all I know is that I go to the wall, I turn the switch on, and it works. I depend on it. I trust in it. Probably the majority of us, even men, we don't know how our car works. Now, if we had to depend on knowing how it works, we would not stick our key in the ignition. What happens when I turn it? We just know it works, right? We receive the benefit of it. I don't understand how it's possible to generate electricity and then harness it. But I do receive the benefit of it every day. Yet I can't see it or, or understand it. But I see the effects of it. Both the law of gravity and aerodynamics is unseen by the average person and not really understood by them. But we do see the results of it, so we believe in their existence, but we don't see them. Every day we do that. So really the excuse is mute. How much more should we believe in God, though we cannot see Him, nor always able to understand Him or His ways? I mean, He's the one that created everything. And He is invisible. The foundation of everything that is visible. He is the cause. We are the effect. So you cannot believe that this place just happened. There has to be a cause. And then there's an effect. You know, even as Christians, isn't it incredible all that we do know about God? All that we do know for sure, as certain as black and white, because He has revealed it to us through His Word. But then even within the Word, there are many things that are, after a while, we don't know, do we? And there are some mysteries that we don't know absolutely. We know that God will do it, but we don't know how He's going to do it. We know that, that it will take place, but we just don't know when. But what we know about God is absolutely sure as an act of faith, not because we always understand it. Can you imagine God said, okay, I'm going to forgive you of your sins under one condition. If you can understand how it is that I can forgive you. <laughs> There's no way I can do it. But in the things that He reveals to me, I can understand why He said He forgives me and though it may not make any sense, I believe and trust Him. That's all that He cares. But it doesn't have to be understandable to me as I want to understand it. Because my mind is not His. My ways are not His. Nor His mind. Now, some people don't understand algebra, geometry, or calculus. Does that mean that they don't exist? Does that mean that they're ineffective? Of course not. The fool has said in his heart, no God, Psalm 14.1. That's who says no God. 
The excuse that people cannot believe in something they cannot see or understand is contrary to most of what they accept on a daily basis. It just is. A second excuse that perhaps you've heard is, I cannot believe in a God who would send people to hell. That's a common one, huh? And boy, they really think they've got you. This excuse is based on a wrong understanding of God and His nature. First of all, God created man in His own image and after His own likeness, Genesis 1.26 tells us. He was created with the potential to think, intellectual likeness, as He gave Him dominion and the ability to name all the animals in the garden, Genesis 1.28 and 2.19. Have you ever thought how we have the ability to reason and think logically? Animals don't. I mean, the animal kingdom instinctively know what to do the minute they're hatched or born. I mean, little turtles. And then they hatch, and those little suckers go straight to the water. Now, why don't they head the other way? It's a 50-50 shot, right? Why is it that not one of them ever misses it? Did, did mommy leave a message inside the egg? Now you go to the hospital, have a baby, they make you take your kid home. Okay? But the animal kingdom's different, a little different, isn't it? Hmm. Secondly, man was created with the potential of being a moral being. Everything God made was very good, Genesis 1.31. A moral being. There is a moral base to man because we were created in God's image. When that moral base is eroded, society falls through the cracks. That's what we're seeing in our society today because the moral base has been removed. But before the moral base can be removed, God has to be removed. So you can only believe in a moral base if you believe in a God who is good. Otherwise, goodness and evil is all relative. And we see this philosophy following through our society over and over again. Thirdly, he was created with the potential of being a spiritual being, to have fellowship with God, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and made him a living soul, Genesis 2, 7 and 3, 8. And so that's what it means when it says we are creating the image and the likeness of God. We can think, we can reason. We have a moral foundation and base. And we also are spiritual beings able to fellowship with God. Very important. Now, secondly, man chose to disobey. He chose to disobey God's, how many commands? One. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? He had the whole garden. One thing. It says, of one tree you may not eat. The tree that's in the midst of the garden. I, can al I wasn't there, but I can almost hear Adam. Where is it at? <laughs> Sin entered by one man. Death entered in through sin. Romans 5.12 tells us that. Adam attempted to cover his nakedness up with fig leaves. Why? To cover up his sin. And then he ran from God. 
Why? Two reasons are given to us in Genesis 3, 7, and 10. Fear and shame. We try to cover up our nakedness of our sin and everything due to fear and to shame. We're afraid we'll be found out and we're ashamed of what we've done. That's everybody. There is no exception. Now thirdly, God made provisions for man to be reconciled to God once again. Through the promised Messiah in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman. A woman has no seed of herself. She has the egg. The man provides the seed. There you have the first promise of the virgin birth. If you follow it through with Isaiah 7.14 and all the way down into the New Testament, you know that it's Jesus Christ the Messiah. Now, God himself shed the blood of an animal, the very first sacrifice to cover their sin and to cover their nakedness in Genesis 3.21. God was the cause. The repentance was the effect. God was the pursuer. They were the, those who were being pursued. Very important. The God that we serve is said to be gracious, merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sins, one who relents from doing harm. He told that to Moses in Exodus 34, 6. And this is what Jonah told God as he was angry because God forgave Nineveh in Jonah 4, 2. Is this not why I said I wanted to go to Tarshish? Because you are a gracious, loving, merciful God who relents from doing evil? You see, it's a misunderstanding of God's nature. God is pursuing man because he loves man. Now, the forgiveness comes through repentance, which means to turn around. You're walking this way towards sin. God speaks to you. You repent, turn around, and you walk towards God now. So repentance involves acknowledgement of one's sinfulness and sins. If we don't acknowledge something, then we're playing games, are we not? And that's the hardest first step, is it not? That you and I have to acknowledge that we are sinners, that we are lost, that we are wrong and God is right. Oh, that's hard. I'm sorry. Do you know how many marriages, do you know how many lives would have been restored if they would have been able to say, I'm sorry? But how many people refuse to say, I'm sorry? I'm sorry is an acknowledgement of what you did is your fault and that it's wrong. But man has such a hard time, does he not? Secondly, repentance involves confession of our sin. I mean, it's good to acknowledge. That's a good first step. But you have to confess it. I did it. Remember David? Against you and only you have I sinned, Lord. Ooh. Good perspective. Sin is primarily and always, first of all, against God. Then against man or with man or against man. Very important. Thirdly, repentance is evident by restitution whenever possible. Now, this is where you have to use wisdom. But whenever God would allow us to perhaps have an opportunity to confront somebody and say, listen, I want to ask you to forgive me for the things I said about you or the things I did to you or whatever it may be. And if God opens that door, I think it's tremendous. We should do that. But there are other times that 
for us to do that would be to cause more pain and harm and even open a whole can of worms. So we have to use wisdom on what we do, right? But also, repentance is evidenced by the abandoning of my sin. If I do not abandon my sin, then I really have not repented. If you used to drink all the time and party and you're still doing it, then you haven't repented. If you used to take drugs and you're still doing that, then you haven't repented. If you're living the same lifestyle that you did before you said you're a Christian, you still, you're not a Christian. You need to understand it. There needs to be a change. You see, repentance brings forgiveness of our sins. But on the negative side, it doesn't remove the consequences of our sin, does it? And that's reality. On God's side, says X, let's take an example. A young lady gets pregnant. She has a child. She comes to the Lord. God says, Jane, your sin is forgiven. It's as if it has never, ever happened. On the invisible side, it's never happened. But on the visible side on this earth, everybody knows it's happened. Those who have the information. And nothing will ever change their mind. On the invisible side, the child is not made to disappear. The child remains. But on the physical side, some women choose to make the children disappear through abortion or adoption or abandonment. What is the most valuable? What's on the invisible side? On God's side. And God gives me the grace sufficient to live my life out with the consequences because I have turned from my sin and He will honor my repentance and I will honor His grace to be sufficient. Because I'm 100% ahead even with the consequences of my sin because my sin has been put away now. It's very important. And now my life of sin has been arrested even as somebody's cancer is under remission. Oh, he still has the cancer, but now it's no longer active at this time. Oh, there's still sin nature in me, but it's no longer active inside. And so I can move on in my life. I need to understand that. The only person that will end up in Gehenna, Gehenna is the ultimate place where hell will be sent, is the one who rejects Jesus Christ as the only provision for salvation. That's the only person who will end up there. Now, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by me in John 14, 6. You give that scripture to anybody, because you know the argument again. We're not, another argument they say, well, you know, that, that's your interpretation. Ask them, what does John 14 say? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father by me. Please give me your interpretation of that. Let me give you another one. Acts 4.12 There is no name under heaven and earth where my men must be saved. Can I have your interpretation on that? Another one? Okay. 1 Timothy 2.5 There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Can I have your interpretation on that? You see, the most powerful things regarding salvation are very forward, they're very clear, and very simple. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, wrapping up our time today on Simple Truths with some thoughts from a study he's called Excuses for Not Coming to Christ. And even though we're only halfway through this first part, we want to let you know copies of this study are available on CD for just $4. This really is practical information that can come in handy the next time your unbelieving family members or friends throw out the standard objections to God and the Bible. We'll be including everything you heard today and what's planned for next time as well. So once again, ask for excuses for not coming to Christ, Part 1, or simply mention today's date, and you can address your request to Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or if you prefer to call to make your request, our 24-hour toll-free number is 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And use that address to send Pastor Xavier your comments of our broadcast so that we know where we're being most effective. Or jot an email to simpletruths at ccpas.com. That's simpletruths at ccpas.com. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station however you choose to contact us. Next time, Pastor Xavier takes on more excuses for not coming to Christ, so tell your friends and be back then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com